Hello and uh, welcome to episode eight, Reader of Roy's Rants with my special guest host, hopefully a future partner in crime and all things and past partner in crime and all things, Terry Bordis. Hello, hello. Can you hear me out there? I can hear you just fine. Um, the rest <laughs> of the people can't hear you yet because I haven't published this yet because we're recording now. See, ah, yeah, now, and they'll be in the moment later. So, the moment I'm... of this moment will be the other moment later on, yeah. But we need to get to then, but right now, we're at now. <laughs> Makes sense to me, perfect sense. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm a little late uh, to the recording. Um, I, I, don't, I don't, I haven't talked about this much stuff in the podcast, uh prior but i'm a sickly old man who uh stomach hates everything and anything that it eats so um yeah that's that's the problem when you get in your 40s huh it's like oh things are starting to break down finally unless you like live in perfect health in your 20s which you and i did not oh um, I, I, <laughs> how many how many times did we eat leftover long john silver's food from a shift the night before <laughs> Uh, too many to count, and frozen pizzas and a lot of Doritos. Yeah, and Mountain Dew. Lots of Mountain yeah, Dew. Mountain Dew. Lots of kidney stones. Fun times. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, Terry, why don't you tell you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how we met? Um, uh, well, uh. Actually, it's it's a little bit of a two-parter, so buckle up. Um, the very first time, I actually heard about you by name, and this was when um, I was starting out to to hang out with uh, Jen Kennedy and uh, Ryan Ryan Duman, and um, going to art class. And uh, a, a mutual person that I know not only I looked up to and had a tremendous amount of respect, but I, I, I know you did also, uh, Mr. Langham. And I'll, I'll never forget that, you know, I, I was still pretty new to the school. I think this was... Uh, would you say it was the the beginning of 10th grade for me, Jen and Ryan? And uh, anyways, um, you know, uh, Mr. Langham, he always paid closer attention to students that showed an unusual amount of artistic potential. I mean, don't get me wrong. He wasn't disrespectful to any of the other kids. I, I, I thought there were times that he was actually a little bit overly gracious. I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> so um, you were sitting, sitting there in our class looking at other guys, person like, his perspective sucks. He's horrible. I don't know why you're even <laughs> bothering with him. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Mr. Langham was one of those teachers that uh, – even though he was a bit of a curmudgeon sometimes, which was another thing that I think we both gravitated to, um, 
he he would at least show that he gave a damn and try to give the students that that didn't or just didn't really care about art a bit of a chance. But uh, like I said before, when he noticed that you had potential, when you had talent, he would go above and beyond. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was good times to be around him. But I know that he would bring up how, you know, I, I really like to do my my art style and sort of the the comic book marvel dc you know those kind of things because i'd have a sketch pad with me and he would always bring your name up and then other people would mention that and jen and ryan would mention your name too i haven't met you yet so when i heard that not only were you highly talented you were making your own comics and it was like, hey, that's that's my shtick. I can't have some young kid stepping in on on my territory because I'm a social social misfit. Nobody knows me except for maybe five people in school. Well, well, so I can rem I can remember being like, who the hell is this Roy Roy Stiffy character? Like something out of like a, a, a comic book. It's like, how dare he? <laughs> but, listen, um... <laughs> you know, listen, pal, I, I, I am not some uh, little artist guy. I was a businessman. I was, I was, you know, I was pushing, I was slinging comic books and art and stuff like that. You know, I, I didn't know what solicitation meant. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, you could not get away with that nowadays. Well, I mean, you could, but it would be all through PayPal, Venmo, like on the down low, you could I couldn't actually like be in front of a, a schoolroom being like, "Hey, you want to buy some comic books?" <laughs> well, the, the impressive impressive thing was you were also in the school. Was it was it uh, considered a newsletter or what was it? Uh, we had a school newspaper, and by yeah, twelfth grade by my by my senior year, I had commandeered the whole thing, and turned it into <laughs> a magazine. <laughs> with like pop culture stuff and comic strips and things and yes I, I basically was like nobody cares about the reporting of the football game from last friday it's going to take three weeks for us to produce and photocopy and distribute nobody gives a shit <laughs> and, and that, that was, was that i mean that was the funny thing i'm like and then and of course after i left when i came back to visit the school a year later they took it all back to the school. They, they ditched my entire magazine outlet outlay and all, all that stuff. And they went right back to just talking about old football games that nobody gave a damn about. Well, <laughs> like you jagoffs. <laughs> that's a shame. That, that is they, a they real didn't have my, They didn't have my vision. Well, you know, why do something ambitious when you could do something boring and safe? That, that was pretty much the Penn's manner motto. Yeah. Why, why push the envelope? But um the the second time that we actually we 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 hung out uh was um you me Jen were were really into a lot of Anne Rice stuff. 
and uh, interview with a vampire and uh, the vampire Lestat. And the, the movie was coming out in theaters. And for some bizarre reason, Steph Wilkins and Amanda Joyner wanted to tag along, which I think we lost them for the majority of the time. I, 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 yeah, I remember that big group going to see the movie, but like you and I just kind of like hit it off like magic and we probably out nerded them. Um, probably just a little too far along with me and Jen, like Jen and Ryan and all that. Like, I think we were probably a little too, <laughs> a little too far down the path for those girls. They were, they were a little bit more normies. They were a bit norm. Um, <laughs> Well, this, this was the 90s. We weren't quite here at this day and age and level where you can, you know, through the power of the Internet, make sure you hang out with just this specific group of people who only like this thing to the nth degree. We didn't have that back then. Yeah, you, you had to you had to kind of slum it with people who didn't give a crap about yourself every once in a while, at least. <laughs> and And that was just it, because I remember those two would leave and then. The rest of us would be together, and that's where, yeah, we we did hit it off, but it was in a in a semi bizarre sort of healthy competitive kind of way. Um, and I, I I do look back on this time fondly because it was just funny. It's like two kids having a pissing contest, and it's like, well, hey, um. You know, I heard you make comics. So do I. This is this is one of my characters. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But I have a whole entire team. And it's like, well, you know, <laughs> I, I've been coming up with ideas, too. <laughs> it's like, uh, I was like, how many issues have you sold, man? What did you sell? Where do you sell? What, what, what period do you sell your books? What's that? You don't, you don't have a book? <laughs> I, I, it was like, well, uh. I, I think I have a couple pages stapled together. I don't have a an issue just yet. <laughs> uh-huh. How's that issue coming along, by the way? Oh, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, what, um, what are we talking? 2050? Is that, is that the release year? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I I would give it a couple more years. It needs to be a little bit more polished. It's got a simmer. It's got a simmer. <laughs> A good goulash takes time, okay? But, uh, yeah, after... I'd say after that, that's when we we just started hanging out a lot, either with, uh, with Jen and Ryan or, or just Ryan. You and me hanging out at uh, your mom's place, um, going out to Indiana... I don't think we were hanging around uh, Greensburg that much. No, it was always it was always Indiana because that's when the town got, that that's when that area first got a Walmart. Holy crap, we got Walmart. We we're in the big leagues now. Wait, Walmart's been around for like thirty years, and we're just now getting it. Holy shit, we suck. Um, well, so yeah, I didn't I didn't understand. I thought Walmart was a completely new concept because you had like you had the Walmart there. And then there was the McDonald's. Yeah. And um, there was the uh, video store where we would, we would rent 
<laughs> oh my uh, god. Adult anime. The <laughs> <laughs> blue girl. Love Enough blue said girl. about that though. <laughs> Tentacle porn. Good times. <laughs> Good times. Um, you know, before the power of the internet. But yes. um one of you know, one of the things like for for those of you listening, this is actually like when I said redo at the beginning, we had a good almost two hour long conversation. Yes. About the nerdy stuff that we would get into. We did the we did the whole who is Terry, who is Roy, how do we get along, all that stuff. And then we talked about Star Wars. Now, I want to briefly touch up on Star Wars. I don't want to I'm not a person that likes to redo things. So even though I say redo, um, so we're going to briefly touch upon that, that idea. I don't want to, I don't want to spend two hours talking about, cause we have so many other things to talk about and maybe someday I'll go in more in depth on that, but I, I do want to talk about it. Um, I, so- I mean, I, I would really like to go back to, uh, what you were discussing about the possibility of what could have been and, and your idea. Right. Um, so back in the 90s and two, early 2000s, Terry and I would come up with ideas for properties that are already out there. We had no concept that what we were doing was basically fan fiction, that we were fanficking. We, like, we, we didn't yeah. know that. We're, we, so whenever I see fan fiction out there, I like, it's so funny. I, for the longest time, I looked at that stuff with disdain. I was like, ugh, fan fiction. So lame. Like the Twilight Saga itself, or no, Fifty Shades of Grey is fan fiction of the Twilight Saga. That's just so. And the Twilight Saga is fan fiction around like all the '90s vampire stuff, like yeah, like yeah. stuff and Forever Night and stuff like that. And so it's all watered down. And now I've like reached the in my 40s. I'm like, oh my god, Terry and I were basically making fanfics. We just didn't put it online. <laughs> we had notes, we had ideas, but we never. <laughs> We never shared with the community and be like, oh, look, that whole episode where Batman, you know, tongue fucks Catwoman on that skyline. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I just want to upset because, like, uh, who was it? What, what writer was like, Batman doesn't go down on Catwoman? I can't remember. So, some oh. DC, I think it was DC themselves. They were like, Batman doesn't do that. And I'm like, wow, that's lame. Well, <laughs> Not the, in my fan fiction, sir. <laughs> you you got to seek out... Well, it was one of those deals. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the artist Tim Vigil. Mm. I mean, he has done some normal work, but he's really well known for a hardcore semi-pornographic horror comic by the name of Faust. I think I've actually read some of that, i got to be honest. I uh, mean, he, he he's a gifted artist. Uh Sadly, I I hope he's still out there doing what he's doing because he's very gifted, talented artist. But at the time, he was producing one of the most well sought after gritty horror comics that was notoriously well known for showing. <laughs> how do I want to say this tactfully? Actual penetration. Wowzers! That's um, yes. <laughs> that's, that's that's not safe for work content. There, my my friend. We, you know, geez. no. But 
In the early 2000s, because I, I found out about this on something that I, I, I don't know if you and me mutually agree on and respect, cartoonist Kayfabe with Ed Piscor. Yeah, I follow them on Instagram. Yeah, uh, both talented guys, well-informed on the comic book industry, and uh, they know about Tim Vigil. Well, Ed Piscor had something in his possession it was a five-part sort of, how do I want to say this? A gift to a influential individual in DC Comics. I'm not going to bring up names to protect the innocent, but Tim Vigil did this five-page thing of Batman pursuing the Joker and... The Joker and Harley Quinn have this woman kidnapped. She's bound. And basically, Joker beast Fs Harley <laughs> Quinn on a desk in front of this terrified lady. Wow, and that it, is extreme. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, I mean, you know, let's, let's. I, I know we, I said we talk about racy stuff here and everything. And, you know, I, I don't pull punches too often, but. Um. Well, that was one of the things that it was. It was funny because it's, they're they're both saying, you know, hey, I appreciate his art style. But, yes, yeah, sometimes so he, going he, too far is go too far. He made a Tijuana Bible for a DC Comics uh, big wig. Yes. Pretty much. Nice. nice. I, I want to say it's Dan Didio. Is that Dan how you pronounce Dan his last name? Dio, Mr. I want to kill Robin. I remember that. But you, it's, you remember it's, his obsession with wanting to kill Dick Grayson? I was like, wow. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know why he, he felt that Dick Grayson was such a lame character. But yeah, that was, that was something that was, uh, you know, going on and it's like why so much hate for the original robin but anywho um but yeah <laughs> it, it's sort of funny how you how you brought up that batman wouldn't do anything <laughs> like that yet there's so many creators out there so many artists out there so many writers that have been tempted to push the envelope with that character and um, when you bring up fan fiction, there was some stuff we did. I don't think we ever took it that far, though. I don't I don't think we ever did. Uh, unless you remember something different. And, and please, if if you do correct me so I don't no, look like I, a <laughs> most of our ideas were fairly acceptable in the realms of PG-13 to rated R. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, I was on your podcast, and we talked about um, the Highlander stuff that we did. We, um, yes, we yes. We came around with an idea of a Kurgan comic book focused on the Kurgan. I think, I think Boom Entertainment has probably done, like, whoever had the license for Highlander. Um, I, it was so funny. I got so psyched whenever they said, you know, oh, we're making Highlander comic books. And then I started reading them and I was like, these are garbage. Kind of suck. Like, I, I'm trying to, you know, maybe it's just my opinion. I felt like the art was no. the action wasn't really as involved as I wanted it to be. 
it was it was real stale, real boring. Yeah, and it's just it's just one of those things where I'm like, you have a license based off of a sword and sorcery franchise where the only way to defeat your opponent is to decapitate them, and you want to do I like I think one of the books I read terrorists or like criminal activity it really wasn't like immortals just fighting and i'm like you need you need to just do highlander but as a comic book yeah not, like try to overcomplicate it i don't know um but yeah we had our own comic book it was a kurgan themed comic book and we wanted to do a whole like intro uh because uh in the movie sean connery talks about um throwing their children to 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 starving dogs for competition and stuff for entertainment so we wanted to do the whole sequence where, you know, Kurgan's people throw him in the pit and he kills each dog that comes at him, you know, proves that he, you know, he, he ain't shit, you know. And I also, I also remember that we made a solemn vow that we did not necessarily want to do the deal like, you don't understand, Kurgan was misunderstood. No, no he was we, <laughs> yeah, we wanted to show how badass evil the kurgan was and um i like how we were taking characters from the the highlander tv series because we had the young boy the young immortal who was evil if if you remember that kid yeah yeah and um there was there was a lot of awesome ideas. We were going to have that uh, fight on the airport. I, I think it was uh, not necessarily when he was making it to would it have been New York or Seattle where Kurgan fought um, McLeod. Uh, it's New York. It's New York. He fights in the Silver Cup. Um, the standee, if you remember. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, it was definitely going. We wanted to, like, basically a one-and-done miniseries that just bridges, like, he tells the origin story of Kurgan, has a kind of an adventure before going into the movie. Um, and, and, yeah, like, I think I think part of my ideas were to, like, yeah, we did want to show that he was a monster, but I think yeah. part of it was there was some people who were like, no, nah, no, nah, he's good, and he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm bad. <laughs> like, he, I, I feel like there was definitely a, like a, the, the the want of maybe sort of making him an anti-hero but then kind of pulling that rug out like, well total bastard <laughs> yeah and also we we had um we had ideas for other characters that he was going to go against other immortals that were just as shitty as kurgan or worse right, right. You know, so it wasn't like you would you would see him kill off a good guy or whatever would have qualified as good because one of the things about Highlander and I'm I'm not going to trail off I I promise. Um, Highlander is a really weird gray zone of concept of of good and evil, except for the main antagonist well the two i guess you could say which would be connor and duncan they were decent but 
Um, I think it was even kind of loosely alluded that even Ramirez had his moments. They weren't particularly dark, but he was sort of a he was sort of a scoundrel in a way. And um, I don't remember if you know uh, Roger Daltrey when he starred in the TV series. It's Karen, yeah. His character was a criminal in in some lives. That's what he would do to survive. So, you know, it was always cool to know that despite some people in this universe were, yeah, they were friends, they were allies, but then some were like lived in this weird sort of morally gray area. And that's why, you know, when Kurgan was coming to finally get, you know, McLeod, you know, it was like there's other people that are standing in his way. And he was going to cut through them like a motherfucking scythe. He was going to mow them over and it was going to be. I, I remember we'd both get really excited and then we would just crank up Queen or Megadeth, or <laughs> I, I just remember there'd be a lot of heavy metal or like high energy rock playing in the background of your mom's house, and we'd be told to turn it down and calm down sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, uh, by the way, uh, to those listening, um, if all you can hear is the humming of an air conditioner in the background for me. I do apologize. It is 90-some degrees outside. I am not turning off the AC to do this recording. <laughs> not happening. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, so, you know, we are definitely posting this. I Like I said, this is a glitch. This is a redo. I'm not going to ditch it if I think the sound quality. You're just going to have to deal. You're just, the, the, you know, people listening, you're going to have to deal. I, I I was gonna say I didn't hear anything until you got quiet and it's real it, it it's real in. subtle like I was it kicked in um, and I'm gonna be stupid and I'm gonna try mow the lawn after this so oh um, I'm insane <laughs> make sure you have an IV bag hooked up to you while you're doing it so you don't dehydrate and blow up in a puff of dust well I will I, what I do is I don't I'm I'm not like those crazy guys out there who try to mow the entire yard if in like a 45 minutes or whatever. I mow yeah. steps. I mow in steps. I mow in quadrants. I have quadrants in my <laughs> area. I'm like this is quadrant A, this is quadrant B, C, D. And then you do like the side yard, and then you do like behind the stupid shed that I wish we'd just tear down. Um, you know. And then and then like the the backyard, that's the that's the uh, last hustle of the of the marathon there because it's just space it's just space and grass so it's a pain in the ass um because i don't know like you live in pa where there are mountains and hills and trees and forests and stuff i live on flatland where the sun is just high you've got no no protection <laughs> burn <laughs> um, you know so that's what the backyard is there's absolutely no protection so it is the it's that last mile. It's that last hole. At least in the front yard, there are two trees. I'm like, okay, two trees make that easy. No <laughs> tree in the backyard. You're just you're just under a magnifying glass. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, so yeah, we did Highlander. We even we even tried to put together a movie. It was fun times. We yes. um, we have our own comic books, which I am in currently in the process of kind of rebooting, revamping when I have the time. 
Um, you know, Terry's about to send me the script for our main title, which we actually together helped produce 12 issues of back in the day. Yes. So we sold independently at Comic Cons and, and various functions. Um, and actually, if you do want to go read the old stuff, you can go to my you can go to my uh, page on DeviantArt, Croctopus Art, and look up Dark Hearts. And uh, there's actually Dark Hearts there. There's my redneck superhero comedy, Purple Teal Man. <laughs> there is the Dark Hearts spinoff, Urban Zero, which we want to get back into. Yes. Um, there might be, I might have x-rays or decontrol. I know I had, uh, guys, I did, I did a, I did an alien sequel. I was one of those guys that like, screw that alien three is bullshit. <laughs> but I decided to, to go ahead and do another movie where we bring back Bishop. And we did, I, I did like the Kenner idea where he's rebuilt and he's got metal parts stuff hanging out. Um, what the hell was it called? Was it called the hive or hive? Um, or, uh, Alien War? I, I, I can't I, remember. I think it was uh, Hive War. Something like that, which is funny because they actually, I think Dark Horse ended up using that for something. Um, but I did it first, damn it. Um, and I, 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 had a, I had an anthology book, if you remember, which was just nothing but fan fiction because it was me doing Aliens versus Predator versus Terminator. I had a War of the Worlds spinoff. It was called Battlefield. Remember that? yes electronic arts would try to sue me right now (laughs) (laughs) um i i remember uh demon mac yes demo mac uh that's a fun one i'm actually redoing designs on that right now um we did a we have a demon knight spinoff character um, Uh, oh yeah that's right i don't know where the rights are for that we probably could secure the rights and actually (laughs) do a legit demon knight at this point because HBO and Warner, they just let that shit fall. Well, Joel, was, Joel Silver is old and senile, so we could sneak that through if we wanted well, to. I mean, the funny thing is that um, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, and again, I'm, I'm getting, I'm diverging again, of course, but um, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight was actually a spec script, what they call on the blacklist in Hollywood, which means scripts that are really good, but no one had the balls to pay for them. <laughs> Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And Tales from the Crypt, they like HBO, Warner, whoever's involved with it. They like, we want to make a movie. We don't have an idea. Let's search through the pile of the blacklist. And they found Demon Knight. And they're like, screw it. Let's make it. That's why Demon Knight does not feel like a Tales from the Crypt movie at all. It feels like a cool, like it reminds me of like Warlock 2, the Armageddon, Waxwork, House. It's It's got that fun vibe to it. And so completely original. And then they ruined it with the second movie because we watched the first movie. We were like, "Oh my god, are they gonna? What what is gonna happen to Jada Pinkett's character?" And yeah, that new collector guy. He looks badass. I can't wait to see them fight. And they did Bordello of Blood, which is funny because I did get excited for Bordello of Blood because if you remember Terry, I had a huge crush on Angie Everhart. Oh, who did? Oh my goodness, her and um, what was it, Naomi Campbell? Um. Or no, it was it was one supermodel who ended up getting her own um, talk show uh, in the early two thousands. I can't remember her name. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, she was oh. horrible. That talk show was just absolutely trash, <laughs> um, which really ruined my whole like. I'm like, when I was a teenager, I thought you were just the most beautiful thing in the world, and now I hate you. 
Um, the other wonderful thing that kind of saved Bordello of Blood was a comedian that I know you and I both had a a tremendous respect for was Dennis Miller. Oh, Dennis Miller in the late 80s, early 90s. He was funny as hell. Now he's horrible. Well, like, he's he's in this weird area of his life where he's like, I don't exactly know what to do, Chachi. <laughs> Here we go again. He's like, these liberals and their ideas of free will and love and understanding. I mean, what the f- is that? That's like Kafka's Library of Congress or something. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> He starts stringing smart words and dead people yeah, yeah. together. And I'm like, you, Dennis, what? That means nothing. You know? And I'm going to host the NFL. They're going to put me on Monday night. Isn't that a great idea? I know that was years ago. I know yeah. that's dated <laughs> hell. But still, it's like, I think that was the moment. I think that was the moment where we all realized Dennis Miller, not nearly as cool as he was. Yeah. Whenever he started hosting Monday night uh, football. Don't like, mind me while I go hang out with Whoopi Goldberg and Billy Crystal reading Kafka there, <laughs> Chicharino. Yeah, I used to love him on HBO. Thought he was great. You know, we are we are totally off tangent on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, we had a Demon Knight comic strip character. We oh heck yeah! Predators and Terminators and Highlander. Um, Surprised we never tried Star Wars, but you know. It is what it is. And that kind of brings me to what we were talking about in the last podcast, a thing called Star Wars. You've heard of Star yes. Wars, right, Terry? Um, I, I am coming full circle because when I was younger, um, Star Wars, I liked it, but it, it wasn't really my thing. And now, because one of my children are into Star Wars a lot, I'm starting to find out sadly what i missed out on so thankfully i can go back to it and watch it and i've been enjoying it quite a bit and i I think that's great that you can do that because like i was big into star wars when star wars came out too and i bought some of the sequel books in the 90s actually i think my my mom got them for me for christmas the timothy's on ones and there were a couple of power of the force figures i got into collecting and stuff but the prequels were a thing where, you know, our generation had a collective what the what the fuck um, <laughs> over that whole scenario because we expected something with like actual conflict and cool stuff like like let's say for Fan- Phantom Menace for example you have you basically have two scenes that people remember the pod race which I don't even think is that great because I'm an indoor boy. I like my bikers, you know, my scout biker chase sequence. I think that's a lot more fun. Um, you know, mainly because there isn't a host on the bikers thing going, oh, there goes Luke Skywalker on his leader <laughs> bike. Oh, those scout troopers are getting ready to shoot him. He better watch out. Like that character. Like, I think one of the biggest things about the prequels was that, you know, and I, I discussed this in our previous version, Lucas got old. Yeah. He got out of touch. Like he got out of touch with what would be entertaining. He's like, well, kids these days, we need like I don't want any subtitles anymore because kids these days don't read. So no more subtitles. We're just gonna do really bad accents. So and we're gonna we're gonna have the Asian stereotype be the bad guys. Oh my goodness. 
My goodness. <laughs> the the, the yo, trade yo, federation. Attack. <laughs> it's like, God, that's horrible, man. Well, remember Zabulba? Oh, Zabulba. So, what was his stereotype supposed to be? Israeli Jew? Yeah, well, he, he, he did. He just, he reminded me of like the horrible 80s stereotype, like, like terrorist. He had the real thin mustache and that. And, and it's like, you know, Zabulba, I oh, want to kick you straight in the nuts. That is right. There's a scene where Zabulba twirls his little tentacle stash. Yeah, and it's like, like an old vaudeville villain. That's wow. It was wow. super cringy bullshit. Man, Lucas was so out of touch at that point. Like, and, and what's funny right now, like you know, we're we're shitting all over Phantom Menace right now, and of course, there's Attack of the Clones, which they they tell all the story through exposition. They don't actually show anything until the last. That's the funny thing, like Phantom Menace. You only care about the duel at the end, the other scene that nobody yeah. remembers that that anybody remembers. You don't remember anything else. The, the duel at the end, which is phenomenal, but it's only there for like five minutes. That's it. Yeah. The battle, the battle with the Gungans versus the Tin Cup guys, like the robots, is so sanitary. It's so sanitary. Um, it's it's pointless. It, it's it's the CG is so bad now. Like watching, it, it's like oof. I'm watching a cartoon. Well, I, I love cartoons. So I'm not trying to you know talk shit. No. Well, um, and you're right because uh, one of the horrible gags is Jar Jar basically fucking up and screwing things up. And what you think is going to be this awesome battle between the Gungans and the the droid army is just Jar Jar. Whoa! He's yeah. he's, he's just the, doing he's stupid shit. He's 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 fucking shit up by, by yeah. stumbling and bumbling. Like he's he's defeating the droids and stuff just by being clumsy. And it's like you didn't resort to this kind of humor in the in the original trilogy. You didn't feel the need to do this. No. Like yes, you had R two and three PO, and yes, there were some gags where you know R two would do a you know do a crazy stunt, make the Millennium Falcon take off, and and C three PO. Of course, C three PO falls in a pit. Or something like that, or they're in the sand. Okay, one or two, but not every two seconds, and not in your face. Like it's just, and I, I've seen people say that they're like, well, these, you know, Jar Jar is basically C three PO and, and R two, the comic relief of this movie. And I'm like, but we already have, C, you know, we already have C three PO and R two D two in this movie already. Yeah, Why exactly. Even in the movie, if we have this guy, there's these, there's these moments that I'm just like, you, you just use too much because you feel you need to show every character's origin. And so you're shoehorning them all into a story while you want to introduce new characters and you're dumbing them down because you want to, you want to make sure people know Jar Jar is the comic relief, you know, so he has to be a clumsy buffoon. And it's like, you can do better than that. You, your comedy can be better than that. So and then we get to like, you know, Revenge of the, Revenge of the Sith, where he, he, George woke up and realized like, oh, I was supposed to be telling a war story the last two movies I did a comedy and a romance. Shit, now I just got to cram everything into this movie. So it just starts off with a big-ass battle. And and the best part is, like, out of the prequel trilogy, you talk to most people out there, first thing you're going to say is, well, Revenge of the Sith is the best one. And yeah. why, is it, why is it the best one? It's not because of the story of the dialogue. We both, we've talked about this before, how horrible the dialogue is in that movie. 
It is literally because it has all the other, it, it has the war. It has the Star War in, you know, it is the war in the Star Wars. That's, that's the thing. And it's like, you could have told that movie in three parts and it would have been great if you, you've just had it. So, so I, you know, and, and I, I did not involve you in this. This was, this was like a little thought experiment I did a couple of years ago and I posted on Facebook. Sure. Um, and it, I, it's lost to time. Like I keep trying to look it up. It never shows up in my memories or anything. All sorts of weird shit shows up in my memories, but not this one. And it, and it drives me insane. I try looking it up and I'm, I can't find it, but I did a three part synopsis on star Wars. Um, like what I would do if I was doing the prequels. So like my first thing I said was I don't want to rip out all the story. Okay. I think there's a, there's a skeleton there of a good story um, with Phantom Menace, with uh, even Attack of the Clones, and especially Revenge of the Sith. I don't want to change much. I just want to change a few things, just kind of make things a little bit more relevant. Make you understand Anakin Skywalker's journey to Darth Vader, because it just happens, like you, like I said in Phantom Menace the other day, there's this one thing where he talks back to Yoda. That's it. Yeah. He's scared. That's, that's it. It's the only thing. He's a little boy. And why... Why do we have to start off as a little boy? I, I feel like it just seems incredibly, you know, I love that we're talking about, oh, he's so close to the force that even as a child, he could fly these ships and stuff because of intuition. And it's like, I don't need that. I, I think I was really cool with the idea in the original trilogy where Obi-Wan was like, I met him. He was a great pilot. When we were kids and we watched that, we weren't thinking he was 10. No, it was that more information like. was not carried across at all. He was probably in his maybe late teens, early twenties. I would have assumed he would have been the same age as Luke when they met. Yeah, it would have been that would have been my thing. Like it was like okay, so you met my dad in the Clone Wars. He's a great pilot, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, we meet him as this little kid, and he just lucks his way through everything and defeats an entire an entire squadron of ships on a battle station by being lucky again. I know that. Course, no, he trips through it just like Jar Jar does. It's like, okay, that's a bit silly. And there's nothing against Jake Lloyd, he was an actor hired for a job. I hate that people have attacked him. Why is it no one attacks George Lucas for the prequel shit? They always go after the actors, all that stuff. They went after Ahmed Best and all that. I'm like, it's George who did that. And that is the weird thing about this whole thing is that ever since the sequel series came out, you have a whole legion of people who say the prequels are the best trilogy. And everything else sucks. I'm like, you guys are insane. You guys need a little ob objectivity. <laughs> um, you need to, you need to go back and see how problematic the prequels are because of George being out of touch with things. Uh, well, well, it's 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 horrible because um, some Star Wars fans and n n not all, but unfortunately, there's a large number of them that are the ones that ask time and time again for what they want they ask and you know lucas films they try their best to deliver but they're also catering to a newer younger audience and sadly uh, especially with the the newer three films and um you know some of the disney plus shows the the trolls the hardcore star wars fans that are just like no these actors are crap 
the ideas are ridiculous. This is a joke. This is garbage. It's 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 horrible because then later on down the line, when there's really nothing, they're going to ask for more Star Wars. It's it's such a weird sort of bizarre cycle. It's like it's, it's this psychopathic gatekeeping thing where it's like. I want Star Wars to be the way I envision it in my head, and you better get it right. Yeah, and I hate anyone else who says that the stuff you're doing is fine. Like that's that's that weird gatekeeping. Like that that is one thing. Like here on Roy's rants, we tackle gatekeeping all the time. Like every every other episode is me talking smack on a fan who's like, "Why isn't this thing exactly how I envision it in my head?" And since it's, it's not, it sucks. And it's like that is the most ridiculous. Uh, demand I could ever possibly, you know, do or, or see or possibly hear, you know, and I'm not, you know, and that's just, it. it's like, I'm not saying like, when I talk about my ideas for the, the trilogy, sure. I, I'm not saying that George Lucas should be punished for making what he made. I, I'm not saying, no, no, no. Stop what they're doing right now and make my idea. I'm just saying I had ideas, you know? So with the, with the Phantom Menace, uh, number one, I would age, I would age Anakin up and I would, um, age Obi-Wan down. I would make them both similar in age so that they'd be more like brothers because they talk about your brother and all this other stuff. Like you were like in your twenties raising a 10 year old, you were a dad, like you weren't a brother. That's just, it's a weird, you know, it, it's just weird. I don't know. Or you're definitely an older brother. I get it, but it just feels like there is too big of a gap. I want more of a friends, blood brothers kind of, you know, we grew up through the war kind of, kind of vibe. Which does make a lot of sense for the the dynamic. Right, especially for what I have planned for part three. Um, so that I would do. I would keep Qui-Gon there. I would keep, so like basically Am- Amidala, Padme, and <laughs> Anakin, and Obi-Wan. These weird-ass names, man. They just do not roll off the tongue. Um, Shmi Skywalker. Uh <laughs> I love you, Mom, Shmi, Mommy Shmi. Um, and I, I know I'm making fun. I need to stop because there, you know, there's cultures out there in these, in these names and I, I'm being like quasi xenophobic. But OK, I apologize. I apologize. But it sounds weird. OK, it sounds weird. <laughs> Shmi Skywalker sounds freaking weird, bro. Um, so, you know, we 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 age them so that they're similar in age. So that some tension can arise later on in life, which is the age old thing about like easiest conflict to write about jealousy. You got to keep that in mind. We got to keep the jealousy going because I feel like jealousy is a is a is definitely a Sith thing. Jealousy is definitely a thing for them to embrace coveting what is not theirs or fear of losing what is theirs. I thought that was a gin blossoms thing. (laughs) anyway so you know we have Qui-Gon trying to get these kooky teenage kids to kind of go along with the mission to help save Naboo we actually have a Darth Maul that lives through the whole thing because you don't put the damn face of your bad guy on all your product and then kill him off sorry not sorry I do that is yeah. where I'm like that that's a dumb that's a dumb move yeah you don't make someone so badass and then it's like okay we're done with them could you imagine if the original star wars movie 
It's like, okay, Han Solo comes out of nowhere with the Millennium Falcon and just destroys Darth Vader, just launches laser, it blows his ass up. He's dead. What? <laughs> you know. Um, oh, wow. I just got a message from our mutual pal Chris saying he's near Fort Wayne now. That's funny. <laughs> oh. So I messaged you that we were going to be home in PA around July 4th earlier today, and I messaged him too, and so I'm just getting replies. I, anyways, I, I'm, I am so divergent tonight. I'm so like, uh, you're divergent. I, I, I am divergent. I, you should put me in the Hunger Games or whatever dystopic. <laughs> so, anyways, um, we have, uh, you know, we have them try to solve them. We fight off Darth Maul. Um, the Battle of Naboo takes place, and it's not just Gungans and little robots. We actually get some, you know, get some of those Japanese uh, businessmen out there fighting alongside the Naboo citizens. And we show what they've been doing to the planet. That was one of the things that I, I hated about the first movie. It was like, oh, the devastation is so insane. Oh, we're starving here. And like, you see none of it. You see, actually, none of it. It's just this old man saying this to Padme over a voice message thing. Like, I think I even said it in the last thing. I'm like, you know what would be even great? They do that hollow that hollow message from him, and they cut to Naboo, and that dude's dead. And they just uh, used his body to, like, make a hollow puppet to try and get her to come home. Like, yeah, the they, they did that in, like, Star Wars Rebels. They used Jedi corpses to set traps for more Jedi. It, it, how is it the kids' show on Disney plus has more mature themes than the movie that is PG 13. Exactly. Made by the master himself, you know, like it's, it's, it's so funny how he, he just dumbed down star Wars so bad for the prequel. I want to see the lead singer of Fleetwood Mac smoldering. <laughs> just a pile of ashes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, they killed Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru within the first, 30 minutes of star wars they you saw their smoldering corpses you know it's it's just one of those things where i'm like yeah george lost his teeth when he made the prequels i'm like yeah you played it safe didn't you uh so you know we do the whole like end battle and everything and qui-gon's fighting maul and maul kills qui-gon but he doesn't fight obi-wan like he gets away you let your bad guy get away serving sequels you know what i'm saying Yes. So, you know, we cut to chapter two. And like I said, the biggest thing about chapter two is it's all exposition. We're not going to do that. We would actually describe some of the scenes. Like, you know, maybe show Padme leaving the Senate, breaking a boy's heart because she is just a heartbreaker. That's one of the things I wanted to establish was she's very flirtatious with both Obi-Wan and Anakin. And you start to see, like in the first movie, you see a little smoldering of jealousy for good old Annie. Annie? Um, you know, but like by part two, uh, through circumstances of her almost being executed and she needs to like flee the Senate and everything, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan. And by the way, at this point, the Clone Wars have started. We're not starting Clone Wars at the end of the damn movie. We're doing it. We're doing it, baby. Because of the results of the battle in Naboo basically starts the Clone Wars. Um, and the Jedi are doing the whole Jedi thing. We ignore the whole mystery of the clones. That's in Attack of the Clones. It goes nowhere. They never explain that it is Palpatine all along who commissioned the clones. It's not like that's yes. ever revealed. You just know that a Jedi did and he died. I'm like, yeah, no, it was Palpatine all along. Um, you know, because who else was going to implant that Order 66 chip in their head? Um, you know, you, I, you have the war going on. And 
you know, through some, you can do some exposition. In that exposition, you find out that, yeah, Palps did order the clone army based on what happened in Naboo. You know what I mean? Like, you go ahead and say it because if anything, like, I don't see how that secret is something that the, the Senate would be like, oh my God, it's atrocious. Because as we've seen in our real world, people will allow atrocious things to happen all the time if it's under patriotism, you know? So I don't think, oh, we got a package. Yay. I don't know if you heard the notification. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks, Alexa. Uh, so, you know, it's okay for Palps to, to say he's, he's made this army. It's okay to start the war off without. And at this point, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan are fighting as generals in this army. They don't like it. They they're really do feel, feel like something's going on, you know, this thing. You can even have, like, you know, Obi-Wan is a little suspicious of Palps, but Anakin is not. But there's, it's still there a little. And through circumstances, they end up taking care of Padme and romance blossoms. You can do that, but, like, not, like, Anakin just sitting in a field playing with giant ticks or him throwing a parrot or using the Force. Or whatever, you know, it's, just, it's so dumb. Are you going to get um, rid of the scene about sand? It gets everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I, I was thinking about them having a beach play date, and she knocks <laughs> him in the sand, and he just freaks out. He's like, oh, ah, ah, ah. He's like slapping her. Like, Get it off me. Get it off me. <laughs> um, you know, I don't I don't know if Shmi and the sand people, I just, it's, it is a great scene in the original one, but I don't know if in my storyline you need Shmi. Or even if you kill Shmi off, he's an orphan in the beginning of Phantom Menace because of the Sand People. So he already has that prejudice against Sand People. You could even do that. Um, and maybe on one of their excursions, they end up having to go back to Tatooine uh, for some proof that, that, that there's a conspiracy going on and there are separatists actually in the Senate. You know, whatever. You could do that, you know. But... Basically, you know, we fast forward to the end and we realize this Count Dooku guy is a major general of the Separatist Army. We need to try and capture him. There's a battle that ensues. Obi-Wan is fighting Dooku. Anakin is fighting Maul. And Anakin wants to settle up for killing, you know, for him killing his new space daddy Qui-Gon in the first movie. Yes. And Maul Fs him up. He, uh, you know, he his, his dark side powers are just nothing compared to, or, or just make Anakin's powers nothing. And he wounds him and wounds him and wounds him and then chops one of his arms off and, you know, like basically humiliates him, but doesn't kill him. He's like, yeah, you're not, you know, which, (laughs) which in all honesty, that just feeds (laughs) the hostility and, and anger that Anakin already kind of has that, you know, which, that, that's that's one of the things that in the original prequels they don't really go into as much. It's just he has a moment, and then the rest of the movie he's fine. You know, it, it's like that's not. If you're going to turn into space Hitler, it's got to take a lot more than just a couple moments in life. Yeah, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be the guy who's actively breaking necks of children in front of your old pal to try and draw him out. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched Obi Wan. Uh, sorry Uh, i'm i'm all caught up i'm all caught up good 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 show good show good Uh, show so so yeah you you need to see that develop over time and that's i like the idea of using maul as this 
he's he's poking a bear the entire trilogy. He's just like, eh, come on, come on. I dare you. I double dog dare you to try and force choke me, bitch. I like it. Do it. <laughs> well, know? and also the wonderful thing is, is no matter what, you know, it just keeps on showing that the Sith will literally screw each other over to be the the alpha. And it I, I, I think that's so I think that's such an awesome concept because to truly be evil is to constantly be like, well, you're not as evil as I am. I can show you evil. <laughs> And, yeah, and, and that is that is one of the things I will say, George and um, George and why am I forgetting the name who the guy who's been doing all the Mandalorian, all that stuff, uh, Clone Wars shit, David Filoni and even Kathleen Kennedy and all this, all these people who contributed uh, Favreau is that, you know, the dark side, you do like you're very duplicit. If you, you've, you've gone full Sith, you crave power. You crave these things. It's a craving. It's a never ending yes. craving. It's like a junkie and you just keep you junkies will, you know, and I'm not trying to be mean. You know, if you, if you have a substance abuse issue, please seek help, that kind of thing. But if you're full gone, cracky McGee, who's like sticking up people for money for drugs, you screw up your own family. You do whatever you want to just get that fix. And that's kind of a dark side. Like when you go full red and yellow eyes, you're, you know, you're in it. So getting pushed and keeps getting pushed. And, and, you know, he, he's, he's doing this thing. He's taunting this thing. And maybe even right then and there when Maul is leaving, you know, Anakin shows a flash of yellow in his eyes or something, you know, just kind of like, Oh shit. You start to see that there. So, but Obi-Wan captures Dooku, doesn't kill him. Uh, saves Anakin. Padme's there. She saves them. But they even, even have Padme do something. Have her do something. She doesn't have to just be the damsel in distress. You can actually have her help. She, it, it, exactly. You know, yeah, maybe she, yeah, maybe she rush, rushes to Anakin and stops Maul. I, there you go. See? Writing on the fly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she stops Maul. Obi-Wan captures, um, you know, uh, Count Dooku. They appear before the um, Jedi Council. And like I said in the beginning, Obi-Wan and Anakin are not cool with being generals. They don't want to be generals. And they, they basically ditch their orders to go with Padme on this adventure. So the Council is pissed at them. Yeah, you got, you, sure, you thwarted Maul's plans this time, and you, you got us Dooku. He's the head of the military. This war is going to reach its end very soon, hopefully. Um <clears throat> But you disobeyed us, and you didn't follow the orders, and you're going to get reprimanded. And at that point, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are like, you know what? That's all right. You keep your reprimand. I'm going to keep this lightsaber. Uh, screw you. I quit. Um, they leave the Jedi Council with Padme there watching. Um, and so the three of them embark on their own adventure, uh, beginning in Chapter 3, where we find out that even though Dooku is captured, the war is raging on. It's, it's, it's actually worse than ever. Great. And the Jedi are trying, but they're not like they're not doing as good as they'd hope. But you know, they think they can do it if you know they get Dooku. And uh, and you notice I haven't mentioned General Grievous because I don't care. A Amphazima Bot is a horrible design. Um, like remember he comes out with like the spinning saw blade, and you're like, oh wow, that's really cool. What's Obi Wan gonna do? Oh, he's gonna chop off them in like two seconds. It's gonna amount to nothing. Oh, okay, cool. Like that's the the, the thing I noticed with the prequels that always bugged the shit out of me. 
is that George would introduce these new characters and be like, oh, you like that Darth Maul guy? Well, fuck you, I cut him in half. Oh, you like uh, that new Jango Fett, Boba Fett, whatever? Oh, well, I chopped his head off. Oh, uh, General Grievous. Oh, well, he really amounts to nothing. He gets shot. <laughs> like, he, he has this weird fetish of basically, and I hate using this term because, like, I hate, I hate terms like when people go, you're so woke or you're such a cuck or anything like that. But he cuckolds each one of his badass characters. Even Vader himself, like, when you take a helmet off, he's just this weak old man at the end of Return of the Jedi. That's so Lucas true. Has a, Lucas had a, has a fetish about making the bad guys his bitch. And then writers come along and they retcon it all. They're like, well, you killed Darth Maul. We're bringing him back. That's stupid. That was stupid that you did that. You know? So it's, it's just one of those things. It's a Lucasism. But, you know, this time in the third chapter, um, Padme and Anakin and Obi-Wan are basically, they're doing like Red Cross stuff. They're, they're doing relief. They're going to planets that are war-torn, that are getting caught up in this war, and they're trying to just save civilians and, and provide help, which means they're fighting both um, separatists and Republic people sometimes, depending on the, the battle or what the situation is. Because we're, we're finding out that, like, you know, the war is just the war at this point. It doesn't even have the meaning it had in the beginning. It's just been going on forever. It's destabilizing. It's crazy. It's crazy stuff. You know, Palpatine's acting like, oh, I wish I could do something. <laughs> I'm totally evil. I'm engineering this whole fucking thing. Um, you know, we, 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 we recognize that. <laughs> You've got a message. <laughs> uh, it's it's a goofy Facebook comments and that. I need to deactivate that. You can silence that shit. <laughs> I, I, I know. I'm, I'm such an old poop. <laughs> Silence, old man. <laughs> um, so you know they're they're running across the galaxy. That, that's one of the things with like Revenge of the Sith. The whole like, oh my god, I'm pregnant. What are we gonna do if I have a baby? The Senate will bounce me out. Why? It, are you not allowed to have a child if you're on the Senate floor? And oh, if you have a baby, the Jedi Council will renounce us. Big fucking deal. Like well, it's, it's clear that you don't like being a Jedi anyway, Anakin. You really don't ever listen to them. Yeah, it's not like they're gonna be like we're gonna take your lightsaber away from you. Obviously, didn't take Count Dooku's. No, <laughs> pretty sure he made his own. It's like, I don't give a shit, you know. So, like, renouncing the Jedi Order is not the end all be all. That's the thing that I'm like the weird sacred space monk thing, the idea that they can't have possessions and all that other stuff. It's just so weird because, like, you know, especially in today's day and age, where it's like, oh, what other. What other um, branch of group of individuals have? Oh, the Catholic Church. Oh, that's going really well. The uh, <laughs> celibacy thing. That's 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 not blown up in their face in the last 20, 30 years. Um, you know, you have a bunch of kitty, you know, what's. Um, we're not going to say the word. We don't get yeah. um, so, uh, you, you know, like, I don't mind them renouncing it. I don't mind them. I, I see that there's there's no issue with that. Except for people who are probably like Star Wars fanatics who are like, no, they're pure and good and innocent. You can't make them just neutral and like that. I'm like, why not? If Luke Skywalker can call himself a Jedi at the end of the Return of the Jedi and he's just slaughtering people all the time and barely do anything, why, why, why does a Jedi have to be so pristine some 20 years prior? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, they go on their little missions and they start to... I, Basically, what happens is Maul um, 
they get a, they get a call. They realize the mall is on Coruscant trying to free Dooku, um, which just make this war last even longer than they, they, than they anticipated. So they decide that even though they've rejected renounced the Jedi Order, they need to go save the Jedi's asses, basically. So they go to Coruscant, and um, Padme and Obi-Wan are really chummy. At this time, Padme is pregnant, and it is considered Anakin's. They are in a relationship, but Padme is still very chummy with with, with Obi-Wan, which eh, sometimes grinds Anakin's gears. It really mm-hmm. grinds my gears, you know? You know what grinds my gears? <laughs> Boy, uh, Obi-Wan just keeps side-eyeing my piece. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, 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 you know, they get, to, they get to Coruscant, and through a series of unfortunate events, uh, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Padme, they all get kind of separated. Uh, specifically, um, you know, uh, basically Anakin gets cut off from his friends, and it is... Dooku and um, Darth Maul that he basically has to face. Um, and Darth Maul uses Dooku as a human shield. <laughs> I think I told you this the other day where he uses the force to plunge Dooku at uh, Anakin and Anakin just slices through him piece by piece. <laughs> and Darth Maul is a little surprised by that. He's like, whoa, hey, I didn't think you, uh, you were a little goody two-shoes, but hey, I'm sensing some shit in you. Um, and he decides that he's going to stoke those fires. And as they're fighting, he uh, gets real close to Anakin and he's like, yeah, you know you're not the father of those children, right? You know it's Obi-Wan, right? Like, you're not that stupid, are you? And that that's where the, the fuse is lit. That's where Anakin is like, okay, bitch. <laughs> Starting to think that dark side's looking good all the time if it means I kill your ass. So they've been fighting for years now and just Mar- Maul's been taunting him and everything and he's taunted him one last time and Maul gets away again and just, you know, Anakin's enraged. He's just like, great. I failed again and uh, this prick is just... Put this- <laughs> bit of doubt in my head and so you know we you know we see them all get away and anakin you know like basically the separatists leave coruscant it's a victory and now um now that we've known the grievous or grievous he doesn't exist in my universe <laughs> um now that we know the dooku is dead their military leadership is is wander you know kind of flawed because maul even though he shows up and does stuff he's not he's not public. He's not, he's not the face of their military. He's just, he's just the guy who comes along. Like in the original star Wars, a new hope, Darth Vader was not the main villain. It was Grand Moff Tarkin. It, you know, Vader was just a tool. At least that's yeah. what they implied. So kind of, kind of how Maul like serves a purpose. Like he, you know, he, he, he's a humble man. He's just here to fuck shit up and get away as per the orders of his master. Um, so, you know, some shit happens. Like, this is the thing. Like, I'd be a better scriptwriter if I learned how to like do outlines and fill in the middle gaps. I'm a I'm a beginning and end guy. Um, you know, unfortunately, probably one of the reasons why I have so many unfinished concepts. So, you know, through a series of events, again, we we start to realize that good old Palps is the bad guy after all. And you know, I don't mind all of those things. I don't like. I think those you keep. Like, I think a lot of you can keep. I just want better dialogue. 
and we twist things around a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we get, we get to, uh, you know, we, we get to a point where, uh, Palpatine basically tells, you know, tells Anakin where he can find Maul. He's like, you know, listen, I heard he humbled you. I heard he humiliated you by telling you what you already knew about Obi-Wan and Padme. And I'm sorry, son. I just realized this myself too. Like, you know, I've always been there for you, but you know, you can do something about this. You know, why don't you go and prove yourself to me? Because huzzah, I'm behind it all. <laughs> and it's like, you, you do have to do the re revelation for the characters, even though we all knew who Palpatine was. And I said, I didn't mind showing Palpatine as Sidious throughout the other two chapters doing shit. I yeah. was like, you know, I don't know why we need to do this mystery. We know who he is. You've seen the other movies. I understand that narratively wise, like if you're going to give this to a kid to watch one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you'd do it in order probably, but I don't know if you necessarily do need to do it in order. Um, someone, someone uh, once said they, that their idea of how the movie should be in order are four and five. After he learned, Luke learns that, that Darth is his dad, you go one, two, three. You do a flashback kind of thing where you like kind of you see how Darth is and then you go six. You cap it off. So that way you get to know who this person was and, and it just feels better that way. It just feels a little bit better that way. Um, I think I've tried that. I think I've actually tried watching it and it does. It does like it would if you could edit them with a bit more narrative flow, it would it would definitely work. So, uh, again, huh, you still I would like to try to, that. Yeah, you still don't need the mystery of Palpatine. You still know, like, the Emperor is bad and, you know, whatever. So, Anakin, again, is spurred into thinking that his best friend has impregnated the woman that he loves. This woman who's been by his side this entire time through all this journey has betrayed him. There goes that flash of yellow eyes again. <laughs> so, at this point, you know... Palps kind of basically says, yeah, the Jedi's are not on your side. They're clearly not. You you, you, you and Obi-Wan, even, even though Obi-Wan's a piece of shit, you both realize it was wrong and you stepped away. I'm, I'm giving an order to put a stop to this. Why do you think the war's been going on? It's not the Separatists. They've been begging me to stop. It's the Jedi. They're, out, they're, they're mad. They're out, of, they're, they're out of control. So, basically, like, Luke's, or Anakin switches sides at that point. He's like, okay, Team Separatist, fuck you, you know, whatever. He's like, <laughs> but I do need you to kill them all. Like, I need you to kill them all, okay? Like, just realize, you know, that's gotta be done. The Separatists, you know, they'll, they'll surrender completely once we know the Jedi are wiped out. So you do the Order 66 thing. I do feel like the Order 66 story, although at the time, felt like a cop-out because, you know, Obi-Wan's like, oh, Vader hunted and destroyed all the Jedi. I'm like, well, yeah, but clone troopers kind of did the first mop up. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a great idea. I really do think that's a great concept. Um, kind of a long play game for Palps. Um, so we keep that. It's not a big deal. You do the whole Order 66 thing and, you know, Obi-Wan is like, going, what the fuck is going on? Because he's no longer a Jedi. Uh, Order 66 kind of spares him, but he sees it. He sees what's going on. Um, and he's just trying to help out whoever he can. And uh, 
Oh, I think I, for, I forgot to tell you, like, we were still do the Mace Window, you know, Emperor fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... Mace doesn't die immediately. We don't kill Mace off. And he needs to be alive to witness Anakin going full Sith. He needs to be alive. See, I told this story much better the other day. I do apologize for those of you listening. You missed a hell of a podcast on the Star Wars prequels. Well, and, and also an interesting, interesting side note, un- unless you were going to get to it, you were suggesting that Mace Window be like almost private investigating on Senator Palpatine. Yes, and That's right. I wanted a little, I wanted to side, I wanted to talk about the, the, the truly trying to figure out what's going on in Palpatine, you know, on Coruscant, why the Jedi are having problems and everything, which in the book version of Revenge of the Sith, they actually, that's the funny thing. The book adaption has so much better dialogue and so much better stories on it. Of course, because George didn't write it. <laughs> um, <laughs> So there is like an investigation into what is going on in in Coruscant and the Capital Planet. Uh, we actually show that in the movie. Show that in the movie that there's been some shit going down, and that's why the war is not going the way it is, and that's why Jedi are dying. That's why you know they're weak at this point, and, and that's why public perception of them are changing and everything because there is this rotten, cankerous tumor causing all this. Show Mace investigating that. Show Mace confronting Palpatine, you know, during this whole thing, along with show them fight, show Anakin, you know, like show Palpatine tempting Anakin while they're fighting. And of course, Anakin helps off quotation marks uh, Mace. So, you know, you get Padme, you get you get Obi-Wan race to the Jedi Temple to try and find survivors. Um, they find, uh, they find Mace. You can still have Yoda off world or whatever. It doesn't matter. As long as Yoda gets away, that's fine. Cause Yoda's got to go fight. He's got to go fight Palpatine. Like that. I still love that. Um, so, you know, instead of them seeing hollow records, Obi-Wan and Yoda of Anakin swearing allegiance and using camera angles that are clearly filmed for the movie, um, <laughs> which I, I think I ranted about that in the last one where I was like, don't you just hate in the 80s and 90s every time they look at CCTV footage? It's just footage from the show itself. It's all perfectly edited and lit, and the dialogue is crisp and clear. Like that's not that's not how CCTV works. But um, so you, you know, see them get to Mace, and Mace is the one who tells them, like, you know, Anakin's the one who turned on the children and had the 501st execute them. I, you know, I sensed it. I saw him pledge allegiance. This I I seen and felt all this thing. Anakin Skywalker is has betrayed the Jedi Jedi Order, and I know you've fallen from grace, Obi Wan, but you have to stop him. And Padme and Obi Wan are like, "What? You know, like it's <laughs> crazy." And you know, and Padme's like, "I got that kid's babies inside me. What the fuck?" You know, <laughs> really freaked out. Uh, she's like, "But I love him. Maybe we can stop this. Maybe we can get to him. Whatever. You know, still have a little bit of hope in there." Um, Obi-Wan, on the other hand, is kind of like, doesn't say anything to her, but, you know, Mace is like, you know what you need to do, Obi-Wan. Like, Obi-Wan's like, yeah, I don't like baby killers, so you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks. You're my brother. I love you, but what the hell is wrong with you, man? He will find out what the hell is wrong with him when he confronts him. 
Um, so they race. Padme, you know, he's, she's like, I'm coming with you. But I was like, no, it's too dangerous. And Padme's like, I have been f- here for this man for like 10 plus years. You've been very here for him for 10 plus years. We need, we need to be together on this. We started this, the three of us. We need to end this, the three of us. Okay. All right. Who might argue with Natalie Portman? Well, uh, the the cool thing is, um, you know, um, with with these three, you would hope that Obi Wan and Palpatine, um, Padme. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Palp- sorry. Palpatine's a wrinkly, prick- uh, prickle faced <laughs> old dude, and uh, Padme's the young Natalie Portman. That would have been really weird. That would be one <laughs> hell of an M. Night Shyamalan twist. I love him, Obi-Wan. Far for me to be the person to stand in the way of true love, Palpatine. Anakin, what are you doing? You're breaking my heart. <laughs> You're going down a path I can't follow. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry for that flub up. Sorry, listeners. Um, That's but okay. no, it gave me a very funny vision in my head. So, you know. <laughs> but no, uh, those two not going to to kill. They're going to try to reason it first with Anakin, which you know they don't want to come to the the final solution, which is if Anakin's too far gone. Obi-Wan has to be the one to to possibly murder someone he considers as a brother and the man who is in love with this woman who is a father <laughs> you know it's like holy dog shit yeah, this is a it, lot <laughs> it's very weird how in George Lucas's mindset it was it took Obi-Wan absolutely nothing to say yep got to kill this asshole <laughs> you know i mean yeah later on he cried about it whenever he was stumpy and falling into the lava but and, and, <laughs> here's what i love instead of like terry if if i if i switch over to the dark side and i start killing babies i hope to god that when you and i fight and we're on a lava planet and you cut off my <laughs> limbs please force push me into the lava and kill me like if you ever loved me please don't let me sit there and writhe in agony limbless and smoldering like because like it's it's one of those things i'm like that is some cruel shit yeah i'm not gonna die like like when you're walking away obi-wan you're hearing him cry out in pain it's not like you saw him die yeah how hard would it have been to just go wave his hand and go either that or just put the lightsaber right between mercy kill him for crying out loud i just don't i just don't get like, besides the fact that, you know, of course, we know that Anakin Skywalker is badly damaged and everything, you need to come up with a better scenario as to why Obi-Wan thinks he's, yeah, you know what I mean? Because it just feels like, it just feels very silly of Obi-Wan to just be like, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do the, the final blow, even though I was more than willing to chop off your arms and legs and let you sit there and burn. Well, like, that just seems very cruel and very unJedi like but I well, know, I know it's because George wanted to get to that point. He had to get to the point where Darth Vader the crispy critter. so yeah, I mean, the way that you want to do it makes 
it's it's more plausible. It makes sense. I I mean, I'll 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 let you explain. I'm I'm yeah. not gonna give the tip of the hat or yeah, shut, anything. Shut your shut your fucking trap. Anyway. <laughs> God damn it. It's Roy's rant, not Terry's rant. Uh, hey. So shut your fucking mouth and just agree with me, okay? Oh. Well. Anyway. Hey. I love you, brother. I would never really talk to you like that. Hey, listeners, I got the inside scoop, so come over to Hopelessly Lost and Forever Delusional. <laughs> Hey, you don't get to show your page until we're done, damn it. <laughs> All right. So, yes. We're getting down to final battle time, and Anakin has tracked down Darth Maul. We still do the whole Mustafar thing. Um, you can have Darth Maul kill the Separatists um, because we're going to share, we're going we're gonna to save the truly evil Anakin for the fight between Maul because this has been building and building and building. And, you know, Maul, of course, when he sees Anakin, first off, totally dismissive. Like, whatever, bitch. Like, you want to you wanna lose another arm? Is that what you're gunning for? But then he notices Anakin's eyes have turned yellow. And he's like, wait a minute. And they start fighting. And Anakin is fighting with a sense of power and fury that Darth Maul has not seen before in him. And Maul is starting to realize that he's becoming weaker and weaker as the battle is going on. He's starting to realize that his boss ain't got his back anymore. Yeah. Um, Palps, Palps is pretty much like, and that's the the idea of like the Sith being like, you know, considering them like a battery. And like there's the main battery and he like gives you a little bit of juice to power you up a little bit. Not a lot, not the whole thing. Gives you Gives you some juice. And so, like, if he brings up a new apprentice, well, rule of two starts taking it away from his other apprentice. He found somebody better. So as this fight's pursue- going on, Maul is realizing this, that he's basically boned. And Anakin starts hitting him and wounding him in every single way that Maul has ever hit him or wounded him. Like, exact same fight style, exact same, like, injury. Like, he's, he's, he's doing the whole tar- taskmaster, uh, taskmaster uh, thing to him. Um, and eventually cuts off all his limbs. And then chops his head off. <laughs> At that point, Padme and Obi-Wan catch up to him. And here's where it's all, you know, Anakin lets it all out. He's like, I know the two of you have been together. I know those aren't my children. I can feel it. Why would you betray me? You know, all I've ever done is love the two of you and you do this to me. You know, like that's, I feel like that is so much more powerful than going, I think the Jedi are the bad people. Like, what? Get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> and 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 that's uh, what we were we were talking about previously. Is the dialogue could have been done a little less hammy? I'm not saying it had to be, because there's that weird dialect. <laughs> that lucas is well known for that i mean no one calls children younglings in reality that's yes creepy weird but uh no it don't get me wrong the 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 scene is is very tense the scene is very powerful but it just it could have been 
so much more if we didn't have the whole you were the chosen one and or, yeah it's, i've i've pledged my allegiance to democracy <laughs> it can't like, you why just are we having a why are we having a political debate yeah I, I, I would much rather these two brothers fight over a woman because that is like the most basic classic tale of betrayal like it's it's just it flows better it's more romantic it's, it's hell yeah it's, it's definitely like i would never kill you terry if you decided to tell me you're going full Trump. Now, I would definitely be cross with you and not, not really listen to you for a good long while, but I would not be like, well, then I must do what I must and proceed to chop off your limbs. <laughs> so um, that's, that's kind of the thing. It's like, and I get it. I get that Anakin's real motivation is he doesn't want to lose Padme. I get it. Then and say that. Exactly. Say, exactly. Say it's like I've already been. I've had a vision of losing her. I'm not going to lose her, Obi Wan. And this is the only way. This is the only way I can do it. The Jedi weren't going to help me. You know this. You've known all along. I've been with her, and you never said anything. You know, like something like that. Like just something. You know. You you, you, you you've always you know kept it a dirty secret too. And I never understood that I couldn't talk to you. That kind of thing. Go yes. for the emotional, and not the political uh, fight. Like in in the in the end dialogue. You know, I mean, that's like when he chops off Mace Window's hand, he does say, he's the only way I can save Padme. But that's it. That's the last, you know, you know, he talks to Padme. He's like, I don't want to lose you. But it's not like open. It's, it's not open. Like he doesn't, he, he, he does not give the viewer, you know, the, the, the actually since the viewer, the other cast members, his point of view. And it's so dumb. It's so dumb because it's yeah, not like. Why does it have to be so cryptic? You know, and I'm sure Lucas would say, "Oh, because it's it's like feudal Japan, but not." I'm like, I don't. If you have this kind of technology, you're not going to be feudal Japan. Technology also changes people's attitudes of things. You don't have holographic technology and laser blasts and still feel like celibacy is is absolutely necessary it just seems dumb and i know there's plenty of fans out there who fight me on that and be like no 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 it has to be like but just just hear me out here i just feel like we need a more humane story we need something a little bit more human yes and nothing is more human than jealousy and like i said nothing is more sick than coveting and wanting more so the, you know they they decide they, they have it out they they start fighting everything is like scream you know it's a screaming shouting match between padme anakin and obi-wan Anakin injures Padme, okay, which of course is going to rush the delivery. Um, so they fight, and the fight in Revenge of the Sith has good moments and bad moments. But one of the bad moments is they're fighting over lava fields. They're fighting feet above lava, and the thing is, when you are feet above lava, you're crispy critter. <laughs> hundreds of degrees. It's not just one hundred degrees or eighty-four or ninety-two, ninety-three. It's hundreds, if not thousands, of degrees. You will be incinerated. Exactly. So you're you're just scenes, gonna puff into flames. Yeah, those fight scenes on the lava, kind of lame. Um, the other is like when they're like so closely matched, they're like two inches away from each other, and they're swinging their lightsabers, but the force is stopping them from hitting each other. So it just looks like they're playing patty cake or something. <laughs> you know, it, like that's ridiculous. I don't know why you thought that was a cool scene. That looked like shit should have been cut on the editing floor. I want them to fight in the interior of this facility, 
but as they're going, they're damaging stuff so that the lava starts destroying it. I like the idea of them being confined in spaces fighting and the, and the, and the set is changing as they're going along and it's getting more and more epic and more fucked up as they go along. And so, and, and I told you this in the last podcast, I don't really like the high ground thing. I think the high ground thing is a great meme, but it's really a dumb thing in the movie. Like, you know, don't do it, Anakin. <laughs> I have the high ground. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so dumb. You underestimate my power. And then he jumps over him like an idiot. I'm like, that's just, that's just you basically saying, kill me. Like, I, and... I left an opening. Go ahead and slice my throat. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, I, I'm sure even a, 12 year old kid could just sit there and go what why would he why would he knows he has a sword that can cut through steel doors and shit why would he leap over him like it'd be one thing if they were like the same height maybe he could get enough distance to clear the lightsaber but again as obi-wan said i have the high ground so that's dumb that's dumb i think you know they can have a couple more words of dialogue you know you know should have Maybe Anakin should be like, I should have killed you, you know, years ago or whatever. Took her for me, you know, mine. And everyone's like, are you insane? Like, what? why are you talking like this? Like, I love you and I love her. He's like, and I know you love her. You covered her. And Obi-Wan has a little bit of moment pause there because technically, yeah, he does kind of like Padme in that way. But, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's, he's bros before hoes. So, you know, he's like, I've let that go. You know, you have to understand. I know she's yours. You can stop this. We can stop. We can fix this. Palpatine needs to be stopped. I need you to come back to me. And, you know, and Anakin's like, fuck that. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and Obi-Wan does like a force push down a corridor that he sees like the lava is starting to like destroy. And so the sides of the, the corridor crush uh, Anakin. And we see like, you know, we hear screams and then we see the lava kind of. <laughs> cascade over it so that obi-wan thinks yes. that's it, a little bit more permanent looking you know. it, it, exactly and you know since everything is basically falling apart and going to shit it doesn't give obi-wan time to just stand there right and He's gotta go yeah he doesn't have time to say a speech of like you're the chosen one you know like and i i would much rather him come to padme tears in his eyes padme asks about anakin and obi-wan's like no like sorry no and she cries he cries and then she starts feeling like pain and he's like shit gotta go to the space doctors not those ones that are gonna say she lost the will to live fuck those guys (laughs) part of their hmo no they're they're in they're in they're in my insurance coverage thing, but you know what? I'm just, I'm just go out of pocket. Fuck it. <laughs> um, so he flies to space facility, you know, and, and yes, I don't, I like Bail Organa. I love Jimmy Smith's. And so I like keep him in there. Keep him th- like, I would even say have him more active roles like and stuff. And like talk about the rebellion a hell of a lot more than he did. Like, I think they waited for rogue one for that to really come. I would have, I would have talked about the rebellion. Um, in mind because of like the fact that like the Jedi and the clone army and the separatists are still fighting no matter what. And you know, when I was saying earlier about how the war had lost its meaning. So you create like a third party, the rebellion who just wants to stop it all. So, you know, 
she gives birth. She dies of complications. It's not that hard, George. You can say complications. You can say her blood pressure. Her, I don't know what they call the, the 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 space pressure has malfunctioned in her body. Oh no! Um, <laughs> but you don't <laughs> say she died of a broken heart. She she lost the will to live. That is just because, like I said in the other podcast, that's so selfish of her. The idea that she would have twins, but she's just so depressed that their baby daddy went bad. Yeah, that them twins. I'm I'm out. Peace out. I've had enough of this. You would live for your children. That is one of the things mothers want to live for their children. Well, now typically, yeah. Now that we're talking about this again, why didn't they just do the whole Ed Kowalczyk live? Her placenta fell to the floor. (laughs) She died. That was it. The angel opens her eyes. You know, you know. I tell you what. I do some of my best work listening to live, baby. Oh, that, hell that yeah. Right there, throwing copper and Lakini's juice. Holy shit, great stuff. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so they they basically, you know, she she dies of complications of childbirth. It doesn't have to be that it, it, Exactly. And, you know, you don't have to be graphic, but I, I agree with you. It's, right. It, it, as she's giving birth, I do like the back and forth of Revenge of the Sith where Palpatine saves Anakin. You know, you have Palpatine get his ship. Um, I forgot about the whole Yoda thing. We do still do the Yoda-Palpatine confrontation, but you and I said we need to have him get some licks in there. Oh, we yeah. Really amp it up. Yeah. So maybe lose a, le- lose a leg or an arm and definitely get more pruny. <laughs> Use a <laughs> more of the power. Um, but he does, you know, he does walk away from it and, uh, well, maybe hobbles away from it. And he takes a shuttle to uh, Mustafar, and he sees this boiling wreckage. But he can sense Darth Vader, and he does the force pull, tears apart the wreckage, and you see the battered and torn up corpse, or, well, not corpse, but body of Anakin Skywalker. And he and, his eyes open, and it's like, he's alive! <laughs> and, and that's so much creepier. That it can get almost close to like horror film worthy because when you really think about it, that would be a terrifying scene. It'd be so brilliant. If it's like, like you said, Palpatine's there. He looks more gnarled and more intense and frightening looking. He clears the wreckage with such Evil intent in a bat and abandoned. It's like a force of nature. Yeah, like not really like taking care to not hurt Anakin, like anymore. Yeah, I mean, like maybe even because he did that, that's why Anakin doesn't have any limbs because he was encased (laughs) in that. Palpatine just opened it like an egg real quick and was like, "Shit, whoops! Oh well, we can fix those. Look at my new hand." Yeah, Um, (laughs) even got new wrinkly skin to match. Um. You know, something like that. And, you know, we don't like I remember like in the movie Revenge of the Sith, they intercut it. They intercut the birth of the twins with um, Anakin getting suited up as Darth Vader. Yes. I feel like we could just intercut the birth of the twins with with Palpatine saving Vader. And then you fade to black. You know, after the eyes open and then you start hearing the. You know, and you start to see limbs being attached and stuff being put on, and and there you do the reveal. 
And let's not do the whole, like, I'm sorry, but in your anger, you you killed Palpatine, or killed Padme. See, I did it. (laughs) You killed me, you son of a bitch. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, none of the, like, no, she was alive, no. None of that, none of that. At, At this point, his anger and hatred towards Padme and Obi-Wan, he doesn't give a fuck. He's like full on dark side. Like, yeah, they mean nothing to him. So we don't need to do that. We don't need to show like, oh, sorry, I fucked you over. You killed her yourself. <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy. Am I right? You know? <laughs> oh, listen to him crying. He's actually crying. <laughs> He's crying. Listen, listen. If you keep that up, I'm going to talk about you crying like a little baby when Panda Bear or whatever the hell her name was died. <laughs> through the senate at him the whole senate um so yeah you know like that would have been my trilogy uh it definitely would have been a more romantic and personal films set of films um that is the thing about like the prequels they feel so very sanitary they feel so very removed and i think a lot of that has to do with george's insistence on all cg backgrounds like very few props to the film scenes yeah, for something that was supposed to be way more epic, you know, George Lucas did go the very pacified and, you know, safe route. Yeah, I, I don't even know if he realized he did that. I don't know if he even realized coming out of that product was like, oh, yeah, this is something that, you know, no one will get offended by. But meanwhile, it offends almost everyone. Because it's yeah, just yeah. so it's just so incredibly dull. Um, Revenge of the Sith is not dull, but it, it is a, it is a movie that plays catch up. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if you look at The Force Awakens, which is a fine nod to the original Star Wars. It's basically just Star Wars but bigger, um, which is fine. I didn't have a problem with it. And then you see the Last Jedi that wanted to turn all the tropes on its head and challenge viewers to be like, give up on these preconceived notions that everybody's special. Like, like Ray is special. She just happened to run into the grand grandson of Darth Vader, you know, like, and, and, and be very like hopeless for 75% of the movie. But then at the very end, there's that little twinkle of hope. That was the whole point of that movie was to create this sense of hopelessness and then pull the audience from the brink of destruction and say, no, no, no. There's hope out there. And then the fans just didn't get it. The fans just hated it. They're like, why is why is Luke Skywalker grumpy? He's old. And like, why is why isn't he 20? I'm like, because this ain't 1983, bitch. Yeah, yeah. Some time How? has passed. <laughs> and I think it's funny that kind of shows, and I, I think George Lucas helped us with the stagnancy of the prequels. They have it in their mind that characters act the same way no matter what and there's no change like who luke skywalker was in in the 1983 film will be who luke skywalker is in the last jedi and it's like no he would be cantankerous like like they even set it up in the force awakens by saying luke has disappeared and the jedi temple fell and kylo ren betrayed his parents why do you think luke would be in a positive mood after that what makes yeah. you think 
that he would be like, oh, yeah, sure, let me train you. It's cool. I, I mean, you know, I tried to train my nephew, and then I almost killed him. But, yeah, I'm fine. It, it makes no sense. And 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 that's just it. There's, there's things that kind of work against – and then there's things that really do work. And again, the fans are kind of like, well, why, why do we have to have it this way? Because uh, the wonderful thing about legacy fiction in any form is there is going to be change. No matter what, change happens regardless if you want it to. And, you know, it, it, it does make a lot of sense, you know, as you just said, and I don't, I don't mean to repeat what you already were talking about, but for fans, they just, some of them need to understand that this is actually a natural progression in storytelling. Yeah. It, ha- it happens. It is a thing that fandom needs to realize that narr- like I, I said this the other day in a, in a, um, I think it was a Star Wars discussion group about Obi-Wan and how we see Obi-Wan in the TV show. He's at a very low point in his life. And all these people are like, I don't understand. Why isn't he like OP as fuck? Why can't he hold his own against Darth Vader? Why is he depressed and not want to do this? Isn't he a Jedi? There's a scene in Rebels where he said that, you know, oh, all to all Jedi out there, keep hope and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, hey, assholes, that was 10 years ago. He said he sent that message after Revenge of the Sith, basically. Yes. He didn't send it after 10 years of sitting in this mud hole, or like this dust ball of a planet, looking after this little shit, um, you know, carving up air whale steaks, <laughs> and uh, having a best friend who's a Jawa, of all people. You know, like, it's, it, it, is called, it is about character growth and development, and I think... The problem with most fans these days is they treat every character like a video game stat character. Like, his stats should be the same. I don't understand why they change. And it's like, it's not a role-playing game. It's not a, it's not <laughs> yeah. a video game. Don't it you understand? After like, level I, 30, he should be able to handle Darth Vader. Come on. And, and I said that to these guys. I'm like, well, role-playing games have narratives. I'm like, yes, but it's still a game. You you know if if the dungeon master tells you well, this happens there's there's a good fifty percent chance you're gonna say no because I rolled a five <laughs> and my character has this well that's not how real narratives work that's how video games work that's how games work because it's not it's not told this is how it is so with these Star Wars fans they have it cooked up in their head how they think things should be and the narrative saying that's not how it is and they're they're having such a negative reaction to that. That it's just it's it's kind of sad. Transformer fans are the worst like that. Like it, they have they have a similar thing where Optimus Prime should be Optimus Prime the way Optimus Prime was is always will be. And you change one little thing, you make him young, you make him unsure of himself. Without piss on that, you suck. You need to die. Like, well, and you and I have always had conversations of how as as we got older and we finally understood what good storytelling is it it is you know just give it a chance just give it a chance it's almost like dealing with a little kid that looks at a bowl of steamed broccoli with cheddar cheese on top and they're like uh uh-uh, uh i'm not going to try it 
just try it. You might like it. If you don't yeah, like yeah. it, that's okay. We'll try something else. There, there is definitely a, um, a going thing now of like, I have a specific vision in my head and you better offer it to me. And if you don't hold my hand the entire way, fuck you. Yeah. And it's, it's sad. It's really sad that that's like, cause like, you know, and, and that's the funny thing. Like people nowadays, they, they do this thing. They're like, how comes no movies are good anymore? There's no good new movies. I don't like anything that's out now. Like when we were kids, like probably cause you grew up and became bitter asshole. <laughs> like, I don't feel like, like oh, there's always agendas, but there's no agenda back in the day of the movies I watched. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, no agenda? Let, let me tell you about Canon film groups and how they would make deals with companies for, for properties and then slash the budget in half mid-production to fuck over that company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you don't think agendas didn't exist? Like, that's not the agenda I'm talking about. Oh, you're talking about like in Lightyear, there's a same sex couple that kiss for like 1.2 seconds. And that offend, that's an agenda. That's not an agenda. That's a narrative. That's just a narrative beat. There's no sign that comes up underneath. I'm like, try lesbianism. There's no, there's no <laughs> agenda. You guys. Like, like it's, it, you are old and cynical. That is the problem. It is you. You are the problem. <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised there isn't like two categories of filmmaking that's going to start. One will be okay. Here's a movie, here's a TV show, here's a comic book, here's a novel, here's a piece of fiction. Give it a chance. And then the other side is, hey guys, do you like big boobs? Do you like the hero to be built like a shit brick house shooting a gun that's as big as a couch? Well, we got Bloodhawk coming at you. Uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> we've got the Rob Leefield universe for you guys. You're going to love it. <laughs> I love Rob. I, I'm not trying to pick. I do actually follow Rob on Facebook. He's a nice guy. Um, uh, he's, he's an okay guy. Well, lately, he's mellow. that's one of those things. Like people that you kind of like, you can like, there, there's like, there's a different category of people where it's like, they were cool early on. Now they suck. And there's people who suck early on and now they're kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's always switches around, you know? Um, but yeah, like I could see that. Like, listen, these fanboys, they keep trying to threaten violence and they keep doxing people. And they like, they're like, they love this Gamergate shit. Let's just give them what they want. Let's just, let's just give them what they want. They can go watch that. And then the rest of us, normal people will watch sensible shows that actually grow and mature as time goes on and involve more adult characteristics and, and realize that the world is a bigger place than just big tits and guns. Um, yeah. You know, we'll do that. We'll just give them, give like bring back Canon group. That's how about that? We, we, you know what, Terry, you and I should form a new Canon. <laughs> and all we do is we make schlock for the a-holes out there. Um, we, we produce comic books that are just big old titties and guns. We produce <laughs> movies that are just American Ninja 45. <laughs> oh, no. you know and we do video games like with uva balls like uh we we hire uva ball to be our content manager <laughs> um, you know and and we just we're, we're, we, and we do that for the rest of the world we're like guys 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 don't hate on us okay we are doing this so you can go off and have your movie light year and not lose you know don't have to worry about people losing their shit about a two-second same-sex kiss 
you can enjoy the movie. It's great. By the way, the movie was fantastic. Loved it. Oh, um, cool, cool. Uh, you, you know, and and you don't have to worry about someone trying to push a homophobic agenda in these movies because we put the homophobic agenda in the other movies. Well, I I don't know <laughs> if you. And, and and the funny thing is, we'll put subliminal messages in there going. The only reason why you're homophobic is that deep down you're self-loathing. <laughs> I I don't. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, oh no! I'll, I'll make it real quick. I don't know if you've heard that already. With with Neil Ga- Neil Gaiman Sandman on Netflix, there's a group that's already forming to petition against it Let because guess, some of the subject it. matter. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Joanna Constantine thing because they're like, oh, why you make her a girl? Why is everything trans? I was waiting for that. Oh, I, I, I would not be surprised if, if that is a problem. Well, but there's I, like I, seriously I, I, a group rallying. I did join the group Pagans Against Christians Against Ms. Marvel um, because there is an actual group on Facebook called Christians Against Ms. Marvel and it's so stupid. Really? So I joined the pagans that are against the Christians. <laughs> well, I, I I hate to tell the Christians because Miss Marvel is doing pretty damn good. 98% score on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a fantastic show. I absolutely love it. It's super fun. Um, you know, me, Ava, and, and Parker watch it, and I can honestly say that at first, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was going to be a little bit too, which makes sense because it is geared towards the teen crowd. This is a young woman in high school facing problems that teens face. And she's also facing, you know, there's going to be episodes where unfortunately, because of her culture and She's gonna be. She's gonna face odds that are gonna be racially driven because, unfortunately, that does happen in real life, which is horrible. But you know, there's gonna be stories like that, and you know, but everything they've done so far with this show, it's it's close to the comic book. I know there were people that were pissed that she wasn't gonna have the stretchy powers or that, but. In a roundabout way, they're still getting that, you I, know. I, I, I think a lot of that had to do with Disney going, we just had Mr. Fantastic and Doctor Strange, and it's going to be yeah. weird to throw in the inhuman thing because we also killed Black Bolt as well, <laughs> and we killed the TV show he's based off of. So it's like, let's just have one stretchy guy, and we'll have Mr. Fantastic. Sure. Uh, you know, and I, I got to be honest with you, with the Ms. Marvel, with the stretchy hands, I never got into Ms. Marvel. I thought it was weird. I always thought that was weird. I'm like, why is she Ms. Marvel anyway? Like, well, she's not just Miss Stretchy Pants. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm okay with them changing the power set. I don't see a problem with that. Um, it makes for great visual effects. Um, sure. It's a very fun show. It's definitely geared towards kids, at least, at least adolescents and teenagers. Um, but... And that's not a bad thing. Yeah, and it's it's very relatable except for the fantastic elements. It 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 is. It's a good show. And you know the the funny thing for me was when I first heard about Miss Marvel, 
you know, it was for Marvel. It was going to be a Marvel young adult line. That's how it initially started. And then eventually it was so successful that it did well enough to go to, I guess you could say Marvel mainstream universe. Yeah. And, um, the thing that was funny for me <laughs> was um, sort of the the awkward teen moments that Kamala goes through in the comic book and the TV shows, the feeling of the awkwardness and being a little bit of a social misfit in that, you know, it's like, wow. I'm I'm a grown white man, but I can identify <laughs> with the young. <laughs> it's like uh, that's kind of kind of weird, but yeah, a little bit relatable. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't... It, is, it is one of those things where just because you are not a young teenage girl doesn't mean you can't have the empathy to say, exactly. like, oh, I see that that is going on. And I understand it's, it's the same thing when, when the movie um, Turning Red came out and everybody lost their mind because, holy shit, here's a teenage girl going through puberty, having her period and oogling boys. Yeah, and it's like guys, that happens. You can't act like you live in a fucking bubble, and not know that the opposite sex has something happening in puberty. It, like, and and that's just ridiculous. it. Yeah. So I mean, so we talked about my Star Wars thing. We talked about Star Wars fans. We talked about Marvel fans. We talked about Ms. Marvel. Um, I think we should probably wrap this up. We will. Um, if you ever get a chance to watch Lightyear, we'll do that. Uh, next time when you're here, I would like to talk to, about Friday the 13th and Halloween. Oh, uh, thoughts on that. Oh, so, why don't you tell uh, the audience about where we can find your podcast and what's it called? I'm glad that you mentioned. Yes, listeners, my podcast is called Hopelessly Lost and Forever Delusional. Um, it's basically about me trying to do a podcast where... I have no flipping clue. I am fumbling around. I am stumbling in the dark, but it's it's fun. And I talk about everything from horror to weird information, cryptozoology, all sort of crazy shenanigans. And you can find it on Spotify and Anchor. Um, I also want to mention that Roy also has a site for a lot of his artwork your your toy i i hate using this term because it doesn't correctly describe it not toy refurbishing but i i think you give it a nice goose well like I, I, with your action figures and whatnot i mean i just call it customizing or toy art yeah customizing art. i am a Sorry. toy artist i draw toys i paint toys i yep. love I've never grown up. I never will. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Um, and you can you can find me on Instagram uh, under Roy Stiffy, all one name. Yes. Or you can find me on Twitter as Croctopus Art. Croctopus. So imagine octopus, but put that CR in front. Art, all one name. Um, I'm also on Facebook as uh, Roy Stiffy or Croctopus Art. I got two pages. You can find me on there. Um, and also have a T public store entitled Croctopus Art. Yes. You can find me at all those places. 
Um, I have one last plug, and then we'll say adieu. Um, Terry, you have children, correct? Yes, I do. And these children sometimes have stresses in their lives. They, they encounter things at school, maybe a bully, maybe some self-esteem issues, right? Oh, heck yeah. 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 So I have helped illustrate a book with a author, Dr. Joel Block, called Jumbles, Grumbles, and Rumbles. Repeat, Jumbles, Grumbles, and Rumbles, which is the name of three children in this book who each have individual adventures dealing with childhood bullying, self-esteem issues, and unfortunately, the topic which happens way too often, dealing with parents who are going through a divorce and how that, how you relate to your, your mother, your father, or even the step-parents in your life. So... You can find Jumbles, Grumbles, and Rumbles on Amazon.com to download for your Kindle. It is $3.99. And I am working on a softback, like a paperback cover, um, paperback book, uh, which hopefully will be made available in the next month or so. I'm, I'm putting together all the little things. I'm not a publisher per se, but I try. So you find that on Amazon. Um, Terry and I, you will hear from us in the future on uh, yes. collaborative book projects want to bring back our our book dark hearts be on the lookout for that um as well as uh projects um we we have a we have a wonderful little project called um uh lust for life i want to get back onto that can Uh, can i tease something just tease a little bit little little tease then i gotta go mow a lawn little tease (laughs) okay um me and roy have a wonderful, wonderful, I wouldn't say so much as an 80s throwback horror comic, which was Roy's original idea. Then we both collaborated on it. But it's it's true to horror roots. And the title alone is just, it brings you back to Nightmare on Elm Street Friday the 13th, Hellraiser. So I give you the title, listeners. Manipulator. Huh? Manipulating. Oh, it, it's no, awesome. It, it's, it's definitely in the vein of like Shocker, Warlock, Freddy, Jason. You definitely, we, I wanted to create a franchise character out of this, so. Um, oh, you did, we, and we, and an awesome one. We definitely need to get back on that project. So, yes. That said, I'm I'm gonna say goodbye here, and uh, you know, Terry, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye, and then I'll say goodbye, and then we'll uh, go bye bye. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you again for having me on, Roy. It it was a blast. Had a good time, and thank you, listeners, uh, again. Come back to Roy's rants. He tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Well, thank you for that. Um, so hopefully uh, this recording will actually stay recorded <laughs> and, be in the, and not delete because I ain't doing a part three. If we do a part, if if this decides not to save, um, I'm done doing podcasting. F y'all, I'm done. I'm out of here. <laughs> but if you hear this, that means it did record and everything's all good. And I love you. And please don't leave me. <laughs> well right, gang let's say goodbye Bye-bye. goodbye goodbye